This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> My name is Tracy Ellis Ross. And I feel really strange, excited, a little squirrely about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Squirrely? Like, I don't know if I want to be his friend. I don't want to really no, see him. No, it's more like nervousness. Like, I don't know. Like, what's this going to turn out like? Like, how's this going <laughs> to be? You know what I mean? Like, my stomach's like a little squirrely. <laughs> Fall is here. Hear the yell. Back to school. One, two, three, go. Hello there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Mm -hmm. This is a crisp, professional opening of the show. <laughs> I've been criticized. All, always is. Well, I was criticized last week, and I got in my head, because you guys were saying that uh, I overthink the opening. I take a long pause. So today, I just jumped in. It's been one minute. Well, I think so far- <laughs> Have I addressed the note, Matt? Do you think? Yeah, I, I actually think this energy you're coming in with right now is right in the sweet spot. Let's ride we did it. it. Okay, well, I'm going to keep going with this crisp and officious tone. Uh, the Dow Industrial Average uh, well, has uh, has plunged. What? Uh, no, we are seeing no. a cold front no. uh, moving across <laughs> the Midwest. Do we don't do Rather this. late no. in the year no, for that, we but we think it's because of a high pressure zone in the Arctic region, uh, which is drawing cooler air north. That is not uh, what this is. And uh, still, of course, uh, we see as the planets revolve in their majestic no, no. dance this of the orbits, we call it. This is a podcast. We say things like Vajiru. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that <laughs> I'm projecting- Big dick history big originated, dick history. <laughs> originated here. Yeah. yeah. We had uh, sound effects theater uh, on <laughs> yes. this. That's yeah. uh, Big hit. We got to bring that back. Yeah. We got to bring sound effects theater back. Uh, I played that one for my kids and they were- my kids are not 
fans of my work, nor should they be, oh. but they really liked sound effects theater. That's good. That was kind of sad. What? My kids are not fans no, of no, my well, work. No, no, I've trained them not to be. I've, I've always wanted them to aim higher. The immigrant dream is you want your kids to be better and do better than you did. And yeah. so my people came to this country from Ireland, and then each generation tried to push the next generation further. So I need my children to sort of have some level of disdain for what I do. That makes sense. And then um, work at a bank. Oh. That's the plan. I'd like them both to work at uh, banks. Not <laughs> anything bad. I want them to be at the- Tellers? Yeah, tellers. Okay. Tellers at banks. I don't want them, if they get higher than that, then they're sort of responsible for the rapacious greed that's destroying our country. Oh. But if they're a teller, they're like, here's a lollipop because you just opened an account. That's yeah, nice. That's nice. Yeah. Here's, do you want the leather checkbook or do you want the fake leather checkbook? Mm. You know, that seems good. Here's a calendar. Do they still give calendars at banks? I don't think so. Gorley, do they give calendars at banks? I I haven't been in a bank in 30 years. I don't know. (laughs) You know, when I first came to Los Angeles with Greg Daniels in 1985, and we went to Sunset Gower Studios, and we worked there as comedy writers on a show called Not Necessarily the News, they then gave us our paycheck after a week, and Greg and I walked to the bank and I remembered going into the bank and just thinking like, what is this? Because it was my first job, yeah. my first real job. And walking in to open an account and deposit it there. And then they told me, you know, you don't have to do this anymore. There's a machine out there. You put it in the envelope. Huh. Do you remember this? Yeah. You put your- well, I don't remember. I wasn't there. No, no. But do you remember? <laughs> I know you weren't there. Oh, you I wasn't were... there either. Yeah. Well, Gorley, you may have been yeah. there. You're kind of a weird guy. Oh. <laughs> I remember there was a That's weird right. little kid in glasses and shorts yeah. who was wearing an I Like Ike button who was following me around. And he said, someday we're going to work together on a future version of radio. You'll see. And then you took out a little ukulele and you went, a do 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 a do 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 a do 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 And you ran away. That was away. 30 years ago, the last time I went in a bank. <laughs> <laughs> they never let said, me back in. <laughs> I remember that little kid in shorts. I'm Matthew Gorley, see? You'll hear from me soon, Mr. O'Brien. I'll punch you in the gullet. I'm going to punch you right in the kneecap because that's as high as I can reach. <laughs> but someday I'll have a craftsman style home and a lot of mid century furniture. And then I'll show you all. And then you took out your ukulele again. I said, I'm going to have all kinds of special pottery made in the late 50s that I'm going to buy at a Rose Bowl swap meet. And I'm going to have some felt hats that I rarely get to wear because temperatures are too high in Pasadena. One more song. Did you know Eisenhower had two strokes in office? Look, kid, get lost. I thought you'd like that. I do like it, kid, but I got stuff to do. I'm just getting started in comedy and I've got to do well enough so I can one day have a podcast. Okay, off to buy a rip-off Eames chair. Bye. <laughs> I'm going to get on my 50s vintage Schwinn bicycle now. A wee walk a wee walk a wee Sure needs oil. <laughs> then you tried to play the ukulele while you were driving a Schwinn and you, uh, you crashed. Right I did have a Schwinn. Yeah. I had a Schwinn tornado. You did with a big yeah. basket up front. 
And it was filled with original documents from the 1920s. Okay, let's start this goddamn show. All right, let's get this show started. Let's get this party started. I love, I love Kid Gorley. That's my new <laughs> Kid Gorley with two Ds. Uh, listen, uh, if it's not clear, I could do Lil Gorley. I call him. <laughs> Little eight-year-old Gorley in short shorts with a ukulele all day. But anyway, my guest today is a Golden Globe winning actress, producer, and entrepreneur who stars as Dr. Rainbow Johnson on the hit ABC series Blackish. I am thrilled that she is with us today. She's a lovely person. Tracy Ellis Ross, welcome. I think we would make really good friends. I, I really do believe that. You're so funny. Um, that's That sounds like I was giving myself a compliment. Yeah. Because I'm I, that, which is not how I intended it. Uh, I just think we would get along great. I really do. I I'm like pitching do, myself. I feel like we do get along great. Yeah, but then uh, that's what I think. You're on the show, you do the show, uh, and it all goes great. And then uh, I always try and follow it up. Um, I call you. I don't get through. I come by the house. They guys, say she's not here. Is he always a liar? No. Yes. Uh, I see you always. They say at your house, they say at the gate, uh, Tracy's not here. And then I see a curtain close. <laughs> and I see that you are the one that closed the curtain. And the person who says on the intercom, Tracy's not here, sounds suspiciously like you. Yeah, I'm like, Tracy's not here right now. Can I help you? Is there a message I can leave? I'm like, Tracy, I'm pretty sure that's you. No, Um, what? That's my assistant. I don't know. You always, and then you say over the intercom, I'll see if she's here. And then you make fake footstep sounds. I go like this. I go, Uh, what? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like, why is your assistant's feet so heavy? Why are your assistant wearing wooden clogs? It just turns into crazy improv. Wait, that's so weird, Conan. You don't make your assistants wear wooden clogs? <laughs> I used to, and now she's pregnant with twins, uh, and it just seems like I'm not going to get away with that anymore. I right? know. You you know? Got, you've got to loosen up sometime, and I think when people are pregnant, that's the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the time now, right? Yeah, it is. All yeah, right. The clogs um, were not comfortable. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right, I will not argue with you. Tracy, we're going to be really good friends by the time this is over. I already feel like we are, we always get along really well. And um, I've been thinking about you a lot today in preparation for our little chat. You know, I was realizing you have had this incredible journey to the point that you're at right now. Because first of all, you're killing it. You really are. You're No, people people adore you. They really do adore you. And I feel like... This didn't happen for you overnight. No, Do you know sir. what I mean? Yeah, I like that. That's the sir business is really good. <laughs> That's really a way for us to become friends. No, sir. Yes, yes sir. sir. Yes, sir. No, no sir. sir. But you know, I I think I I really appreciate this from first of all, you know, you start out and a lot of people would at first glance think, oh, this is an advantage, but it really isn't to start out with your mom being such an iconic performer and such an iconic person. And you have completely carved out your own identity and uh, highlighted your own abilities in a way that really has nothing to do with your mom, it's, which to me is like next to him. It's, it's an impossible thing to do. And you did it. Well, I'll tell you, I just want to adjust one thing. So like in terms of career, mm-hmm. having a, you know, larger than life 
international icon for a parent is not an easy thing. But as a parent, my mom is an incredible mom. So in that sense, I got the extraordinary opportunity and benefit of being loved and really wanted and appreciated and, and parented in a really beautiful way, which I think is what gave me the tools to go out and become my own person. Um, but yeah, it's been quite a journey and such a good one. I mean, you know, I'm at that age where you really start to kind of take stock a little bit and like look back and go, wow, you know, some of these moments were hard (laughs) and and some of them still are hard. But I think when you get to this age, or at least for me, I've gotten to this age and I feel like even the hard moments you have like a different kind of relationship with because you don't feel like they're an indication of who you are anymore. Um, But growing up the hard moments, you're like, oh my God, I am a failure. Like I, I didn't just not get cast in that. Like I actually am useless, you know? I mean, like it kind of a a mistake makes you think you are a mistake and then you get older and you're like, no, you know, shit doesn't always go your way. And sometimes uh, those are the learning opportunities. But it's been quite a road and it wasn't a quick road to where I am at all. Well, I was, you know, I can relate because my father, I don't know if you're aware, is Yul Brenner. And a lot of people expected me to sort of be like Yul Brenner. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that that yeah. was your dad. I thought your dad was yeah. Thomas O'Brien. You're right. I just realized yeah. he's Thomas O'Brien and he's a microbiologist. Yes, exactly. Which, she's okay. Louise. Is that true? He's a microbiologist? <laughs> well, he says he's a microbiologist. What did he- That's the other thing. My dad- How do you make my his dad, money? Well, that's the thing. No money ever came in. There's not a lot of money in microbiology. My dad would always say, well, off to the microbiology lab, and then he would leave, and then he would come home at the end of the day. But- Often we would see him just at the train station eating a sandwich. Do you know what's interesting? So, so what? what is it about the two words microbiologist? Is it the ist and the micro that make it sound so important? Like, could you be a micro and it would make people think? <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, just by saying micro like, people are like, my God, what is yes. that? Yeah, why aren't I a macro comedian? You know that's what I, what I should be. You I'm sound, a macro comedian. That's what I'm saying. You're a macro comedian, and people are like, oh my God, do you know the macro comedian? Conan O'Brien, because like that's like- yes. You know what? You bring up a really good point. My dad for years has been like, "I'm a microbiologist," and that's exactly how he sounds. By the way, and he's very tiny. By the way, tiny that's the way man. my mom sounds too. She's like, "I'm Dana Ross." Yes, I know. And you know what's so crazy? I've met your mom a number of times, and every time I've met her, she's been like, "I'm Dana Ross," yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, no one knows this side of you, Ms. Ross, I'm and she's dying. like, "I'm a man, I'm." And I can, and it's like it's so fucking weird. Oh, why yeah. does she? Why does she talk that way in private, but never in public? Well, you know, you've got to keep things sacred for yourself and your family, Conan. <laughs> I suppose so. I suppose so. Uh, but yeah, my dad, you know, throwing that around, and that's what I grew up with in the shadow of microbiology <laughs> and having to form my own path, and many times feeling like I'm never going to make it. I'm a failure. Yeah. Um, but you know what I will say? Uh, you are. I'm, I'm very curious to figure out how did you pull this off? Which part? Tracy Ellis Ross. Well, the whole, first of all, you are, you're hilarious. You're absolutely uh, just feel like effortlessly funny uh, to me. And I always enjoy seeing you, talking to you, uh, your performances. I'm just like, yes, I'm a big fan of yours, but 
did you feel like there was pressure for you to get into music or did you know instinctively, you know what I am? I'm funny. Cause I, I, I'm curious about this. Cause I think people have some sense. You must've had some sense as a child that you're funny. I still don't think I'm that funny. I think I'm really silly. Um, and I think I have, um, like a perspective that is, um, like I, I seem to look at the silly, funny side of life as, as a disposition thing. Um, mm -hmm. I'm happy mm -hmm. to be called funny, especially by a funny person. Um, like that, that's like, you're like, oh, I'm, he's like, well, you know, the, the macro comedian over there thinks I'm funny, <laughs> but, right. but I didn't grow up necessarily thinking I was funny. What I did realize early on is I really liked making people feel good and making people laugh. Mm -hmm. So I was yep. always silly. I also, my natural disposition is joyful and I had a ton of energy growing up, which I mean, like some stories are my family. I, I, I like just had a lot of wiggles and like body stuff. Like I just had, I was always like trying to make my sisters laugh and everything. So we would yep. sit at the dinner table and there was a glass door outside of our dining room. And I would be like, you know, jumping around or whatever. My mom would be like so supportive. Tracy, do you, would you like to go outside and get the wiggles out? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And so I, my family would be like, you know, eating dinner. My two sisters and my mom, like eating dinner. And I'm like outside the glass door, like bouncing around, trying to get my sisters to laugh, trying to do whatever. And then finally I calm down, sit down. And my mom's like, did you get them all out? And I'm like, I don't think so. And I'd like go back outside. Um, and then, then you were put on Ridlin, massive doses of Ridlin. By the way, I think if I had a different parent, I might have been, um, but my, yes. my mom found my large energy, like my little ball of fire that was Tracy. Um, she supported it. And uh, I remember our pediatrician said to my mom at a really young age, like your job with Tracy, she's a big ball of fire. Your job is to just make sure she goes in the right direction. And that fire sort of is used in the good because um, it could be used against me or other people. But um, that sounded like I was a fire starter. That was weird. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, my next question was these arson charges yeah. from your childhood. <laughs> That's weird. We don't uh, really talk wherever about you those. <laughs> yeah, your publicist said nothing about childhood arson, mm -mm. but I have to go to it because mm -hmm. you brought it up. Mm -mm. A lot of mysterious fires yeah. seem to follow you wherever you go no, as a child. Just you know, it's little bundles of joy. But no, I, I do, yeah. I do think I've always done different voices and characters to the point mm -hmm. that's like I don't realize that I'm doing it, and. My mom, for example, I don't know, maybe like 15 years ago or something, I was on the phone with her and she started talking in this accent. I was like, what are you doing? She said, I'm just talking like you. I was like, what? She was like, you have had three different accents in this conversation. And so this third one, I just decided I would do the same one with you. And I was like, really? <laughs> I don't even notice. But like when I'm telling a story, I just pick up a different voice and like do a different thing. Um, so I've always done that. And... I think it was like early 2000. I don't remember. I'm so bad with dates. I made a video of me doing all of these different characters. And that's when my career started. Um, I just, I had like a, a French woman, a, a, I don't know, all these different things. And I edited it together. Scary. And um, that was a door slamming, I hope. It was yeah. a door slamming because I opened the door down here and it makes a wind tunnel. Sure. So, sure. Uh, sure. And um, something so, exploded and you're afraid to admit it. No, don't okay. don't worry about it. My my oven's on fire, but I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> Arson. Yet another fire. Yep, Arson. Let's just, let's just keep talking. You know, this is important. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that I ever thought it was funny. I do think I want to try stand up at some point in my life. But um, 
We'll see. That's interesting that you would want to jump into stand up. Just want to try it. That's you want to try it like one time because everyone. I feel like you have to try it multiple times. Well, yes. I mean, you can't just jump on stage and think you're gonna. I mean, that's for sure. But all of a sudden, I have. I'm I'm looking for a tight five, Conan. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in comedy for like 35 years. I don't have a tight five. I don't. I have a tight two. (laughs) I have a really killer two minutes, and then the rest is just babble that just seems to blither and blather on. So you're saying my goal should be like. Can you get one minute? <laughs> no, no, no. You'll be fine. You people will be so happy to see you. You know, that's the other thing too is you said something that I can really relate to, which is wanted to put people at ease when I was young. I didn't like it if there was tension or any kind of discomfort, including my own. So I think that's where I started using my energy and my weird mugging was a way to kind of slather like a salve over everything to kind of make it okay. And I feel like that's sort of what you're talking about a little bit when you were younger. Yeah, it was sort of like a. Um, I would walk in a room and and figure out like, was it sunny? Was it raining? What, you know, what was it? And then try and change that temperature. And um, it also, you know, I was really shy growing up, and my shyness manifested in a big personality, which people don't ever believe. But the truth is that a big personality can keep people just as much at arm's length as being yes. quiet and shy. So. Um, that was sort of my version. I'm not shy anymore. Well, I bet you have moments though, because I think it's the seesawing between. I think sometimes a a big personality can compensate for shyness and then people have a hard time believing it, but I get kind of quiet and shy and I don't want to see people. And, And it's this thing that comes over me and I don't really want to do that. And I don't want to be that personality. And then there are other times where I'm working it. I'll be at a gas station and I'm walking over to other pumps. This is pre-COVID, no, you know, in a maskless society. And I'm like, hey, you getting unleaded? Let me tell you something, you know, and I'm trying to <laughs> trying to get them to laugh and just spill just some of that gas on the ground, you know? That's I, what, and so I totally it comes identify with that. I feel like I'm an introvert who plays an extrovert in life. Like Um, you know, I'm really comfortable doing it out here. And then mostly when I come home, I'm just, I I don't have music on. I don't, I'm just quiet. Um, but I also, you know, I think you have to have both in order to balance, uh, you talk for a living, I talk for a living. And then at a certain point, it's just like, you don't want to talk anymore. Right. It's just like, there's like, I don't want to talk today. I do. I get shy. It's so crazy because I'll be at home and the doorbell will ring and my wife will say, oh, can you get that? That's, you know, someone who's coming here to drop off a new filter for our air conditioner or something. And I'll be like, I don't really want to go to the door. Are you an only child? Oh, God, no. No, there's, we don't even know how many of us there are. <laughs> there's, I'm, I keep meeting new ones all the time. I'm one of five. And then three yeah. step, which I think inherently made me a very sort of village oriented person, you know? Yes. Birth order is important. I'm number two. Yeah, I'm number three. My whole thing was, I will not be ignored. No one will ignore me. You ignore me, you'll pay the price, see? I'll show you one day. I'll have something called a podcast. And then you'll all see. But look, but you showed them. I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I showed anybody anything. So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Everybody Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security as the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid... We were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less Filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it, it's less filling, Miller Lite, or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. What did you 
like to watch? Like, who were you drawn to on television growing up? Because the me, to me, that's key to figuring someone out yeah. is they would see someone on TV and go, okay, that person, that person is talking to me. If I give you the list of my favorite shows, you immediately go, oh yeah, that's who she became. Kate and Allie, Cagney and Lacey, I mean- I don't think I ever saw that show. Shut up. <laughs> Did you watch um, Kate and Allie? That was one of my favorites. No, I didn't really watch Kate. air, I was so upset. I watched that, yeah. So good. Well, I could I, tell, Matt. Matt was a huge, and he's always bringing it up. Matt just lit up. He was like, I love I that show. You can't oh, no, see this, but he has so a giant, <laughs> he has two Kate and Allie posters behind him. Matt, I'm really what was more it about of an Kate? Allie than a Kate. But what what <laughs> drew you to Kate and Allie, Matt? I want to look. I don't up. know. I think it was just that like disjointed family unit. Same thing with watching. I always watched Alice because it was a single mom, and I loved it. Oh, yeah. that makes I, sense. I'll shut up. Oh, now. thank you. That's good. No, no, don't shut up. That's yeah. that's. We don't want you to do that. Just don't speak ever again. I see. Um, it's different. <laughs> yeah. Can you go outside and get the wiggles out? <laughs> I'm gonna go out and get the wiggles out. You know what was? I mean, I don't think I'm gonna become an old man for a second. People today don't realize what a, how excited we got about television shows. Now there oh. is so much television all the time and movies, you can watch anything. It's streaming, it's everywhere. There's a hundred million things and people are constantly telling you, you haven't seen blank, there's 15 seasons and it's incredible and you've got to catch up. Back then, I remember they would start telling us during the summer, the bionic man's coming or the bionic woman's coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And you, you were- like at a fever pitch. Literally, by the time yeah, you would start to get like, like, oh, when is it coming? Like, you just couldn't wait. Like, it was like some, like it was the prom or something. It was like a thing. No, yeah, I can't. I, I didn't go to the prom, but uh, I can't relate to that. But uh, okay, you just lost me with the prom. But yes, yes. Imagine I had gone to the prom and been confident enough to ask a girl out and gone to the prom. Then I would agree with you. Um, but- I know exactly what you're talking about. And they would have giant, and then salutes to these shows. And then you'd watch them and you'd be like, oh, they're just pushing in on her ear. Wait, That's what was the, um, what was the show? Battle of the Network Stars. Oh. Do you yes. remember yes. that? Yeah. <laughs> I remember Circus of the Stars. Oh my yes. God. Those were so good. Do you know who the uh, ringmaster was on Circus of the Stars? Who? Who? Hal Linden. Barney Miller. Really? It was him dressed as a ringmaster, yes. And he'd say, welcome to Circus of the Stars. But let's get back to Battle of the Network Stars was so exciting. It was and so I, again, exciting. B would get all the network stars. Remember, this is back when there's only so much, there's only room for there to be so many stars on television. So now I'm gonna teach you right now. This yeah. is incredible. There are only so many stars. There's like three networks. There's mm-hmm. no there's no Fox yet. There's just three networks. There's only so many stars. And they would all come together and race each other. Yeah. And they would have all kinds of competition. It was crazy. And, and they would wear. Yes. And, and let me tell you, I'll, I'll be, I'm going to admit something I've never admitted. And I think it's because it just came back to me. But I kid you not, I was a track runner growing up. And I remember thinking, one day, one day, I'm going to be a network star. And I'm going to get on there. And I'm going to run and I'm going to beat somebody in my little shorts. And I'm going to be the winner of the network stars. I love Wait, that so character you just became. You, you just, are a network star, and then they're not doing Battle of the Network Stars anymore. And honestly, we got to bring it back. I'm too old, and my knees can no longer. And I'm certainly not going to wear the shorts, okay? Now, at this point, I would wear, like, a sweatpants suit with the stretchy pants underneath so that when you're in the sweatpants, nothing moves too much. 
And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to frame what's underneath the sweatpants. And I'd have to put a brace on my knee and have a chiropractor waiting on the other side. And it would probably be a 20-meter dash, not a 100-meter dash. You know what I love, too, is that can you imagine if they had it today? If they had it today, it would be someone from Game of Thrones. Come like on. The, the, like the mother of dragons versus Steve Harvey. I mean- it would be so, and they'd be boxing each other. Yeah. And like Harvey would go down right away. Like he'd get, he'd take one in the jaw and just, you'd realize, oh my God, Steve Harvey has a glass jaw. It would just be such a culture. That's what always freaked me out yeah. was seeing, oh, it's someone from Charlie's Angels versus someone from Star Trek. It was so crazy. Worlds colliding. It yeah. was so okay, crazy. I've got crazy news. They did it in 2017. What do you mean? Uh, they did a Battle of the Network Stars in 2017. Who was on it? Let me see. 10 episodes. Uh, Cor- Corbin Burnson. <laughs> okay. Lance Bass. Sherry Belafonte. Misha Barton. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Catherine Bach. Oh, they right. brought back Catherine Bach. Okay. Well, listen, we're talking <laughs> about, back. okay. Okay. <laughs> It was, that's that's that show should have a different title. It shouldn't yeah. be Battle Network Stars. It should be Look Who We Found. Oh, oh come, come on! Stop it! Oh. Well, I'm sorry. Did I say something wrong? No. Very nice. I love supportive. Yes. Yes. Yes, Conan. I understand. Yes. You drink that water. Hydrate that dirty mouth. Of oh your. wow. All right. I apologize. That's um, terrible what I did, and I feel bad. And listen, I'll be there any day myself. Probably wow. already am there. But that's yeah. so funny. Um, yeah, I really did. I, I used to practice my speech, um, and I also, like a good actor, I love to practice my cries. And my favorite thing was when I would actually be crying, like, you know, upset because my mother told me I couldn't do something or something or other. I remember this so vividly. It's so ridiculous. I was crying and then I laid down on the floor and I was like, oh my God, look, my tears are making a puddle on the floor. And then I was like, how many more can I get out? I was like, oh. And then I would look in the mirror and see like, oh, you've got to soften your mouth. Because you know, the best criers in movies I don't even know how you do that. How do you do that? Listen, the best criers, their face stays totally uncringed. Like mine is like, ah! stays uncringed. But the tears, they can make those big crocodile tears that sit there waiting to pop out. And then they come out like that. My whole face looks like a raisin. And and ah! it's like, there's and my neck completely shortens. But I, I do, I did learn that I can make a lot of tears and at the right angle, you really can puddle up. <laughs> so basically you were using your facial muscles and your neck muscles to wring water out of your face. Absolutely. Like a, like a, like a towel, yes. like a towel. So basically if you look back at my childhood, I was um, practicing to be a really good crier. And the winner of Battle of the Network Stars. (laughs) So according to those dreams. Oh, and I was also fantasizing about my wedding. So according to those childhood dreams, I have failed. On on all the things I didn't dream of, I've done so well. (laughs) Yeah. 
completely. I, yeah, I'm adding it up right now, and you are a failure. Yeah, Tracy. I mean, there's no Complete question. If, if you just talk to that little girl, she's like, what happened? Well, that's what's funny, too, is imagining ourselves as kids with these dreams coming to now. It wouldn't match up with what we thought it would be. But it's so much I mean? better. As Oh, it is. And that's the other thing, too, is we have a youth-obsessed culture where everyone, uh, and, and if you just watch commercials and if you just pay attention to what we're fed regularly as part of the, you know, the American dream, uh, we're supposed to want to be like 25 years old. I think, no, I never want to be that age again. I don't want to, I wouldn't <laughs> no. go back there if you paid me. No, I, no, I re- exactly. I really wouldn't. I, uh, yeah. I really like it better now. And when people idealize being a child, I think, oh, no, really? I, or a teenager. And I think I, 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 I conquered acne at 50. You know, I don't need to, <laughs> I don't I think need that's to revisit any of that. I'm grateful for all of those moments. I do have to say that I, because they really did make me into who I am today. Right. But I, I really, I wouldn't go back. I I wouldn't mind, I have to say, the looseness of the skin is a fascinating, like every once in a while I look down and I'm like, huh, huh, was that, Right. should you really let up that much? Like, it seems that like you should hold on to some semblance of like, I'm skin, as opposed to like, like, it just at a certain point, I'm like, like, uh, I don't know. Are you doing your job? Because I'm still doing mine, and this seems. <laughs> so you think the Oregon skin is not holding up the side? That's what you're, you're feeling I'm, I'm is. I'm not totally. I'm convinced that it's gotten a little lackadaisical. And like. First of all, you look gorgeous. And also, you look like someone who's going to look, I think, 30 years from now. You're going to have, you have that beautiful skin. You have that great bone structure. Don't you agree with me, Sona? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so my, I'm telling you as someone who is not exaggerating, I'm 100% Irish and we just fall apart like shitty, (laughs) shitty trees, like really shitty, crappy trees. But look at your face. Your face is absolutely gorgeous. I'm not talking about the skin on my face. I'm telling you, it's around the knees, the armpits. There's certain areas you're just like, I mean, listen to me. When I was a younger- I have whole portions of my torso that have fallen off. (laughs) Just that are like, if I took my shirt off, you'd see just big chunks fell off. And it's so expected of an Irish guy that no one even bothers to pick them up and put them back on. They're just like, "Ah, he's Irish. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, I go to my dermatologist like, eh, uh, what are you going to do? So, yeah, what are you, what are you saying? What well, are you, what, I, what's your complaint? I, I don't have a, com- it's not a complaint. It just is, it's a genuine observation of like, huh, okay. And, and I do think that getting older is a really interesting journey that nobody really talks about that like really should be talked about more. Like the parts of it mm-hmm. that are great and the parts of that that are like, wait, what just happened? Like, right. like we, I can't like when, oh, when, when this starts happening, do you know what I mean? When you like get a menu and you like, pull, like the fact that you, Oh, your eyes go. Yeah. The, yeah, eyes the fact go. that to yeah. try and see something, you have to move something further away from you. Hilarious. And yet uh. I do really enjoy getting older. I'm so much more comfortable in my skin, this loose, crazy stuff that is hanging around me. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, I mean, I'm not looking forward to some of the stuff of, that comes with getting really old. I think I'd like it if I had like a crazy limp. 
Just like a really what? pronounced crazy limp, huh. you know? Because I would, I know me, I would turn it into shtick. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I would, and I'd get uh, like a really eccentric cane and I, uh, I would that. work it into to like my, my act somehow. Well, I personally know? am convinced that I'm going to be a person who like, well, no matter how small my lips get, I am going to wear lipstick. So even if the lipstick is all over my face, I'm going to have red lipstick on. I'm going to have I'm going to wear blush. I'm going to wear like crazy clothing and things right. like that. But there's certain things like, you know, as I get older, I don't know about you. I wake up in the morning or sometimes like I try and turn over while I'm sleeping. And it's as if I have been like beaten in my sleep. Like I don't understand. I'm like. Ah, 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 ah. And then you turn over and then you're fine when you get up, but it's kind of like- You experience great pain when you roll around in the bed? Yeah, like my knees, my back, like it's it's insanity. And I've been an athlete my whole life, so I find it really disruptive. I mean, I have See, arthritic that's the problem. knees. That's the problem. That's the problem is you were an athlete your whole life. Mm. I made very, uh, I was very careful to not move my body much at all <laughs> through my 20s, 30s, mm. and 40s. Mm. So I have virtually new limbs, new yeah. limbs and joints. I, I, I never, I tried not to throw a ball and I tried not to get my heart rate up. So you're and, basically and I, joints smart. and then there's just big clumps of skin that are just like gone. <laughs> yes. Okay, I so am, like- uh, Brand new joints, okay. brand new, like the joints a baby would have. Uh-huh. And then uh, chunks of skin are missing yeah. here and there. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'm not saying it's appealing, but I don't have any pain. There's no judgment, no you know, and I think the no pain is great because I personally- I think my joints are, I mean, I always joke. It's like, I'm so sorry, I can't get up. This is a new leg. I haven't learned how to use it yet. Like, it's just like, <laughs> like, like they just popped it in and my, my joints are not, they're not quite, you know, working together yet. But here's something that you have going for you that I cannot relate to. You're becoming, you know, like you're a fashion icon. People <laughs> love what you, that you are, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. People I love, love everything you wear. Yeah. Everything. Well, I mean, you're more of a authority on these things than I am, well, Sona, but you right. are really respected. People love you to wear their stuff. No one wants me, I'm asked not to wear things. Yeah, yeah. People you know? ask you not to put their they clothes on. They say, please don't put our clothes on. And I get paid a lot of money by high fashion houses not to wear their clothes. That's actually what pretty much supports me, is the money I get paid from all these great designers. Please don't put our stuff on, which is why I wear primarily Sears clothing. Yes, exactly. Which is still You're a clothing a reverse band. model? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an inverse model. I get paid so much money We're gonna from all these great- We're going to add that to yeah. your- your resume. So he's a macro yeah. comedianist and an inverse model. I'm a, I'm a macro comedianist, inverse male model. Yeah. Paid not to wear clothing. And you, I mean, you have your own beauty line. I have know? my own I mean, beauty that's... line, which has been one of the most exciting things. I, I really love being a CEO and using my mind in that way. And I do love fashion, always have style. It's one of the things that brings me a great joy. Dressing myself in the early years in my growing up was one of the, it was like an armor for me. It was one of the ways that I protected myself from the world and made right. sure that the world saw me in a way that um, made me feel safe, honestly. And that you could, yeah, and that you could control something. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, and I realized actually looking back, because there was a particular way, there's an attitude I have when I go into a retail store that I picked up and adopted when I was younger. And it was about, it was, it had to do honestly with racism, but I didn't realize that 
until now, looking back, that it was one of the ways that I sort of dispelled this idea that I was going to be um, looked at as if I was somebody who wouldn't be able to afford what was in a store. So I would go in with this particular kind of energy and wearing particular kinds of things that I had snagged from my mom's closet. And this was to telegraph, to sort of communicate that I belong here, I should be here, and um, there's nothing you have in your store that I can't afford. Yeah, I and, and I don't think I had a name for it then. I don't think of it, I had any idea. And I, I recently have realized that so many of um, the privileges that I had growing up being um, the education that I had, the fact that, you know, I came from fame and uh, money and um, light-skinned and um, because of my mixed heritage and um, the beauty privilege, that all of those things created particular kinds of blind spots for me. And I didn't realize the systemic nature of what was happening around me. So whenever I experienced particular things, I took it personally. I thought it was something that I was doing wrong or I had to combat on my own. As I've gotten older, I've sort of looked at, I can see the larger nature of those things. And that's why looking back, I can think like that was part of how I was costuming myself as I would go out into the world. But other than that, fashion and style bring me so much joy. Um, and also some of my characters come out of it. Like I call my closet, my happy place. And sometimes I go in there and I put together an outfit and sometimes I come out as a character. It's so funny you bring that up because I, I think you kid on this concept that clothing is a way for so many people that they can control how people see them. And you bring up, you know, race is such a, such, I mean, it's always been an overwhelming issue in this country and, but it's a ubiquitous conversation these days And it's a way if you're, for anyone who is self-conscious about how they're seen and how they might be judged, the fact that you have this control, if you take a strong stance with your clothing to declare who you think you are, that's very powerful. It is. I also think that from a creative standpoint, it's a way for a lot of people, um, an entrance into a lot of conversation, like for designers and stuff, like there really is a platform in how we clothe ourselves that tells a story. It's always brought me great joy, I have to say. Uh, I don't know if it's because I'm my mom's child, but I mean, my, not, my, not all my siblings have the same kind of, my brother Evan and I have the same just like lust for great clothes. <laughs> yeah. You said you stole your mom's clothes. Oh, Let's just anything, call it, uh, listen. I call it shopping. Okay, sh- okay. <laughs> with, with quotes around it. I call it shopping. I think, I, think, I think if it's within the family, it's shopping. Sure. So The problem is when she says, no, you can't take that, and you take it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I have been known to literally, I mean, this is what's so sad. My brother and I still, to this day, it's ridiculous. Sometimes when we're over at my mom's, we'll like look at each other with that look, and he'll be like, yeah. Should we go shopping? <laughs> <laughs> You're still doing it. Yes. I'm telling you, there's things all over my house. Those I don't know if you can see those leopard pillows behind me. Stolen. Yeah, yeah. Stolen. <laughs> um, that table down there is stolen. <laughs> Listen, the next time you do that, can you and your brother bring me with you? It would be so great. It is so funny. It would funny. be so great if I if I came home and my wife was like, where'd you get that feather bow? It belonged to Diana Ross. <laughs> You're like, I, I, I stole her. it. <laughs> I stole it from Diana Ross. Yeah. I would love that. Conan, why are you wearing those those seven-inch pumps? <laughs> eh. 
Diana Ross. It would be so cool. Oh my God. It's so funny. There's actually like, yeah, uh, I, I, my mom has incredible taste in furniture, clothing, the whole thing. And so I, and, but I had a rule in college because I called home from um, school once and I was like, mom, what are you doing? I've been calling and you can't, no one's answering. She's like, oh, I'm going through all my old stuff. And um, Aunt Rita, my sister's coming to pick it all up to sell. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> and I put down my foot just like my assistant. And, and I said, nothing can leave the house without my approval. So when I would come home sometimes for weekends, my room, my bedroom was filled with big black garbage bags filled with the most extraordinary clothes. And I would determine what could Catch be you kept next time. and what could be sold. <laughs> Can't you next time steal some luggage? I don't like your mom's clothes being in garbage bags. Well, she it just like, bothers I don't need me. These. I don't want this. But she has no sense. Uh, to me, she has no sense of the stuff that is valuable because because for her, it was like a T-shirt. I'm like, yeah. And you were photographed in it the other day. I was like going through some Diana Ross fan account and I found these images of my mom in a sweater that I have. Oh. And she was in Studio 54. Oh. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And then, yes. And think about the price now that. That's what I'm saying. That, I'm like, I need sweater. to stop yeah. wearing it and getting sweat, sweaty armpits in it <laughs> and hang it up somewhere and put it in like a, like a plastic, uh, I mean, like a plexiglass box, <laughs> hang it on the wall. But, well, um, no, sell it. You sell it. That's what you do. No, you sell it. You've got to hold on to the nostalgic memorabilia. <laughs> you've got to hold on to it, Bubba. That's the way you. Keep that legacy alive. You keep it. You put it in tissue paper, an acid-free tissue paper. You put it in a box and you put it somewhere in storage. And then when you're like 96, somebody comes and they say, oh, my God, I can see this is the thing Diana Ross wore back in the 70s in New York at Studio 54. And a daughter has it. And now it's like double the legacy because the daughter was also on television. And I think we have a picture of her in it. Right? You know what I love is we can actually break this into like five different yeah. podcasts. You yeah. know, this is, you're, you're, we're killing uh, so many birds with one stone. It's like, this is like five separate podcasts yeah. with five very distinct people. I have to ask you, you feel like you got a lot of your sense of humor from your dad. Yes, Isn't that absolutely. Right? My dad is hilarious. And uh, tell us about your dad. My dad's name is Robert Ellis Silverstein, also known as Beverly Hills Bob. <laughs> <laughs> My dad managed Shaka Khan, Billy Preston, um, right. what, uh, um, oh my God, Meatloaf. And he is just a charismatic, um, gorgeous, handsome, funny, self-deprecating fucking Bob Silverstein. I don't know, Bob Ellis. He, and that's where my middle name, Tracy Ellis Ross, comes from. When I joined right. SAG, there was another Tracy Ross, and I really wanted my dad's name in my name so that he can have claim to me because I'm so much a part of him. It's so funny. People think I look like my mom, which I do. I look a lot like my mom. And then when they see my dad, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, I right. know. We have the same laugh. We're like little twins. And, um, yeah, he's just a, a lovely human being. And but that's such a cool yeah. thing to have this. I, I think I'm always envious of people that have some kind of mixed heritage. Do you know what I mean? To, to, have, to have these... Uh, sort of two different identities that you can draw on, you know? I mean, my my people are, 
basically we just keep marrying each other <laughs> throughout the generation. Hence the skin falling and off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It says <laughs> it's my my body rapidly decaying. Uh, but um, eating itself. But it's I, nice. I don't know. Like I, I feel like you could draw on these two cultures, which you clearly do. Which yeah, would be I kind do. Of a superpower. And so much of who I am um, comes from the two of them. And you know, it's interesting. My um, core group of best girlfriends as well are also of mixed heritage, Chinese and Trinidadian and Lebanese, but her Trinidadian part has Chinese in it. And then um, Chinese and Italian, um, my other best friend from growing up. And there's something really wonderful about, um, which is honestly a lot of what Blackish deals with, this idea of what is culture, what's identity, what's race, and what, if anything, do you pass on to your children um, is it tradition? Is it culture? Is it just who you are? It's it's such an interesting conversation, and it's so much of what my life has been, um, and something that I so appreciate. I remember my friend Samira and my friend Monica, both of them take their shoes off when they enter their house, and I wasn't raised doing that. And I found it really intriguing because they're both from completely different worlds, but mm-hmm. they both do that. And I asked them because I'm always so intrigued by these kinds of things, like. What is that about? Is it just because it's dirty outside? Is it a respect thing? Like, what is it? And it was so fascinating to me that two people do the same thing with different reasons. And then it also just becomes the thing their parents did and what they did in their homes. So then that's what they do in their homes. And it's just such a beautiful thing to me. And what I think makes it the most delicious is all of these different beautiful places and ways that you learn things about people and then also connect in the ways that you're the same. I don't know. I just love it. Yeah, I think also one of the values uh, you bring up Blackish, and one of the things I love about it is it, it's a funny show, but it's also you're talking about. I think for so long, uh, race was not discussed, and then suddenly we get into this environment where race is discussed in this very heated way, and people get very defense can get very defensive, obviously. And when a show manages to be funny and nuanced about it, I th- it, it feels like kind of a gift. Yeah, I think there's so much, you know, I, I keep saying this, but- Mary, Especially now. Yeah, yeah, Mary Poppins said it so well. Just a spoonful of sugar <laughs> helps the medicine go down. You know, I mean, <laughs> the laughter really opens your heart. And I think there's a, a, a lot to say about what happens when your heart is open and what you can hear about- humanity and things that are different than the humanity that you know, um, but that opens you up to a different way of thinking. And I think Blackish has done a really beautiful job of finding that balance. And I hope it's an example for people. Honestly, like we can, you can have differing opinions and you can grow. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like you can evolve. You can learn that that opinion you had was not a great one. Like, I don't know about you, but I look back on some of the things I thought and believed when I was younger. Thank God I grew out of those thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like I get that at the time those were my best options or the best choice that I had or, you know, whatever that was in terms of the information I had. But you get more information and you go, well, that was a dumb idea. You know, um, yeah, yeah. but for some reason well, think, right now, people are like digging their feet in further. It's like, what are you doing? It's it's that. And then the, 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 the converse is also true where people are saying, hey, you just, we just found tape of you saying something 
when you were 16 years old and it's not exactly PC now. So you need to, you need to leave your job. And I think, well, that's, it's not allowing for humanity. It's not and allowing growth. for all, all and growth. And all of us are flawed and we have to allow for that in other people. You know, yeah. And I also think that. that's the reason it's one of the reasons that, I mean, there's a lot of good in the concept of cancel culture, but I right. would prefer to use the concept of calling in culture, calling people in. Like, I'm not calling you out. I'm not canceling you. You might end up mm -hmm. needing to be canceled. Don't get me wrong. Some people, it's right. like, yo, bye, you canceled. But no, um, there has been many people throughout history and recent history yeah, <laughs> who need just, to be just canceled. Bye, yes, gone. be clear about that. Yeah. But yes. But then there's also how are we going to keep growing and evolving as a culture? Um, and as people and as individuals, I mean, I don't know about you, but I learn my best when somebody is loving with me. If you call people out and if you try and shame them, you're probably not going to get anywhere with them. Yeah, it's hard, it's, it's hard to realize you've done something wrong and how you point mm -hmm. it out sometimes uh, is a part of the, you know, the process. But, you know, I, I, I think we're in a, we're in this, the soul of this country is in a real wrestle. Um, and I do think this is a time when sticking your head in the sand is just, I'm sorry, not allowed. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. it's, it's well, just, I, I do it for sun protection. primarily. Well, for that reason, you're fine. Um, <laughs> but you have but make sure there's, you know, little straws <laughs> to your ears. I can hear perfectly. Yeah. That's I have what straws matters. coming out my ears, but trust me, I've got to get my head in that sand. <laughs> Because you don't want to see me after I've been in the sun for an hour. It just does that it's mean like when you what, do you just stay under? Like do you full on have to be undercover? Like yes. does sunblock do it, or do you need like? Oh you, God, no. Okay, that's no. What I, I put sunblock on, and then I put a beekeeper's outfit over that. Yep. And then I put uh, Flemish armor. <laughs> yep. From the 15th century Perfect. over that, and then I have a bathroom spackling put over all of that. And then you and stay then inside. <laughs> and then they and then I stay inside, and I. Uh, <laughs> I read Harry Potter books again. So, um, but uh, you know what? I am delighted and grateful to call you a friend uh, because you're a lovely person. You really are. And you're an admirable person. And um, I would love some time to drop by if I'm invited and uh, raid your mom's closet with you. You know, I'll do that whenever you want. Because I, I will find something in that closet that I can wear. I will. Can you imagine? I will. The, the, the visual of that is so good that I actually might have to have you over to do that. <laughs> um, but I will say that I, you know, you also, Conan, you're just, you have remained the same wonderful person all these years. And you have a consistent ability to have an open heart, a self-deprecating way about you, but also a way to connect that, you, you know, you, we go on your show and you actually have a conversation with us. Like well, that's it's, nice. you know what I mean? Thank, like you actually, you saying that. Yeah. we actually have like an exchange. It's not like a, a transaction. And mm -hmm. that's the reason it's just lovely. And it's, I always have fun. Like I have fun. And so this was 10 times. Cause I feel like we never get enough chance to talk. No, this is the, t this is, this is the bare minimum of time that I, <laughs> I can't keep you any longer because it's criminal how long I've kept you, but this is the bare minimum of the amount of time I demand uh, with you. I think that's appropriate. Really I'm going to do this now. I'm going to, I'm going to get friends and make them talk to me on a podcast. 
I'm telling you, this is the greatest scam I've ever concocted. It is so the, good. And occasionally we read an ad and sure, okay, that keeps the lights on, but it is the greatest scam in the world. Well, so Tracy Ellis good. Ross, Thank you. Uh, God bless. Thank you so much for talking to me and um, I'm coming over soon. I really am. Okay, I can't wait to have you. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I got the character at the end, not the real. Now I have to go visit that character. <laughs> You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. (laughs) I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com slash Conan. We talked about this on a previous uh, podcast, but I love an obscure impression. And uh, Matt, you have one of the better ones, which is... uh, is it H.R. Giger? H.R. Giger. Yeah. Oh, Giger. I'm sorry, Giger. Uh, he's the guy that did the um, creature design for Alien, yeah. the Alien movies. And uh, he's kind of famous in certain circles. Uh, <laughs> That's being kind. Yeah. 
But um, how did you become obsessed with this guy? Oh, I was watching the special features of an alien film and he said, he goes something like, they articulate like a dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I eat eggs in the morning, but they are bruised purple varicose eggs with a yolk that runs like a pupil juice. Is that really how he sounds? Kind of. I love that. He did like Blondie album covers and then he built a mic stand for the band Korn. You know, it's just all this like sexual gothic biomechanical stuff. Oh my God. So Giger's obsessed with uh, sexual imagery, kind of a steampunk sexual energy maybe. Yeah, proto steampunk. But he's also strangely kind of innocent and sweet. Like he has a little cat and he- So he says dinosaur? Dinosaur. Dinosaur. You're obsessed with Giger the way I'm obsessed with Werner Herzog. You know, you ever watch uh, his movie, the documentary about the bear? Grizzly Man? Yeah, Grizzly Man. I hooked into Werner Herzog because- when he was talking about the bear, you know, the, the, the bear in the documentary. Yeah. I love that. And Grizzly Man, he keeps talking about how nature is madness. And then I noticed that in his, that as a theme with him is that nature is madness. And then he did some film about, is it Antarctica or something where he's with the penguins? And there's a guy whose job it is just to watch the penguins. And, and so he's interviewing that guy about what it's like to watch penguins all the time. And the guy is saying like, yeah, no, it's pretty interesting. You know, they, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's, I love watching penguins. They're, they're kind of neat. They're, they're pretty chill. And Werner Herzog is like, "Ah, but don't you think that living in this hostile environment, maybe in this blanket of white and the anarchy of nature, don't you think that the penguins are in danger of going mad? And the guy is so great because the, the guy's like, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. And he's like- If they haven't yet. Then Werner Herzog goes, goes back to his narration and he's looking at the penguin. And he's like, you see them and you know that nature is just violence and chaos oh my in a God. swirling vortex of madness. <laughs> and it's the most adorable penguins just standing around. And you realize, oh, that's how Werner Herzog sees everything. You know, like he goes to Wendy's to the drive through He's like, I'll have the double, I'll have a double cone. I want a, I want a freezy frosty with a double of a, and a sprinkle of madness. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to like the Hall of Presidents. He goes on the It's a Small World ride. It's a small, you look at these children representing different nationalities and you know, trapped on this island watching tourists go by on their boats. You know that they are consumed with anarchy and madness. It's a small world after all. Oh my God. It's a small world. The children from Iraq seem particularly insane. Oh my God. Trinidad and Tobago, they go especially mad. <laughs> I'm just doing Paula Tonkin's amazing impression of Herzog. Trinidad and Tobago would soon be consumed by the bear because only the bear understands their true insanity being from Trinidad and Tobago. Don't even get me started on Chad. Oh, Chad. Chad the country? No, Chad Everett, the actor. <laughs> Wait, what? Consumed with madness. Wait, Chad Everett? No one's referenced Chad Everett in years. Chad Everett was consumed with the madness of being a 70s star. He sounds very Schwarzenegger-esque I know. One impression. Yeah. Anyway, that gave me a chance to repurpose my outdated Schwarzenegger impression. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Everybody wins. Everybody wins. I'm a conservationist when it comes to impressions. <laughs> I, uh, I have like two of them and I like to repurpose them as much as possible and not just toss them into a landfill like more talented performers. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Hey, Hotels.com here. Struggling to keep up with your toddler? We know a hotel that'll keep them entertained. Book family-friendly hotels with pools in the Hotels.com app to find your perfect somewhere. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.